But Ephesians chapter 1, today we're going to focus in on probably one of the sweetest truths in the Bible. This is one of the most comforting, assuring, hope-giving portions of the Bible that you could probably ever read through and understand. It's only two little verses, but it brings so much hope, so much comfort. So Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, we'll pick it up, but yeah, we'll see. You guys are good? You're so solemn today. How many of you guys are just tired today? All right, we'll serve free coffee next week or something. But <laughs> you guys amped up and send you out of here. No, uh, cool deal. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, there are some people who hold maybe a slightly different view of this, although I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, and one of the most important rules when reading your Bibles and even learning Bibles, all right, whatever anyone tells you, make sure it's what the, the Bible agrees with from page to page and cover to cover. Meaning they can't just take one tiny little verse, pull it out and say, what, this is what it means. Does it line up? Does it agree with the rest of what the Bible teaches? And so today what we're focusing on is the fact that God is wildly committed. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he is in, insanely committed to bringing you all the way home that you would finally get to heaven and you're not going to get lost along the way that once you are saved, you will stay saved for your entire life. You can't become a Christian and then all of a sudden like you lost your salvation, you're going to hell, and then you get saved again, you're going to heaven, but then you're going to hell again, and then you're going back. You're not a yo-yo, all right? You are a son or a daughter of the king. And we'll read through this, but uh, home sweet home. Look, it's fun to go on vacation. Agreed? I don't know where you guys have been. Uh, I've gotten to go to Hawaii before, Israel before, Brazil before, Germany, like all kinds of cool places, Mexico. Um, to be honest, my favorite place is just the mountains. But it's always, always good to go on vacation. But by the end of vacation, there's nothing like your own bed. There's nothing like sitting in your own living room and just laying on the couch and turning on the TV and just doing your thing. There's something sweet about being home. I don't know about you, but when it's that long car ride and it's 10 hours away and then it's six hours away and then it's four hours away and you're like, I just want to get home. Look, life can feel like that. There's times where it's like, oh man, heaven feels so far away sometimes, but every day you're a day closer and you will get there. God is committed to getting you all the way home and will finally get there and be in the presence of the Lord and our temptations completely removed and sin nature gone and absolute freedom and forgiveness experienced. And it's like, oh, home sweet home. And you guys don't have to panic along the way. What if you get a flat tire in life? God will put a new tire on. What if I run out of gas? No, along comes a tow truck to drag you to the gas station. God is committed to getting you home, okay? So let's pray, and then we'll read and uh, learn through this. But Father, we thank you, God, this morning that it's not our job to get ourselves to heaven, but that you've committed yourself to us. And Lord, in turn, I pray that we'd commit ourselves to you, that we wouldn't panic or stress or worry, but today you'd bring comfort and assurance. But may we never forget that when this is all done, we'll be in the presence of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen. Okay, so look, check this out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. You ready? Found verse 13? It says, in him, you're talking about Jesus. So in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation. In whom... 
Also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Tiny little piece. And you can read through that so fast and just keep going. But this is where it all kind of comes to a point. And it's like, look, I've got you. And I've not only got you for the moment, but all the way until we get home, I'm going to make sure you get there. He says, in him, you trusted. What does it mean to trust though? In him, you trusted. This isn't just the idea of a one moment kind of decision. It is a continual ongoing confidence. The word trust, that means to have full confidence, no doubt. And so these people there have, he's talking to believers, Christians, they're in church, they open up this letter and they're reading it and it says, look at you've had full confidence in what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. You have full confidence in what he did in conquering the grave, that you can have full confidence. Not like, gosh, I really hope this works out in the end. Oh man, I really hope that I don't fall back away from this, but that you should have full confidence. Jesus did it. The way is paid and your access is granted. It's not that you stop caring about life, but that our confidence is in Him. You guys know confident people? Almost overly confident people? Uh, how many of you guys uh, watched the Yankees lose last night? Anybody? Woohoo! <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I was bummed because we have a family that like love the Dodgers. We have a family that love the Yankees, and it would have been really fun to watch them like fight it out in the living room, but that's not going to happen. So... But now we have friends also who are insane Dodger fans. And you can be like, they're not going to win. Oh, yeah, but what if they do? They don't do the what if. They'll just tell you they're going to win. They're no, they're going to lose. They stink. This, this, this. Oh, yeah, they're going to win. You can't convince them otherwise. They could all get in some crazy accident or all break their fingers or someone could steal all their cleats. And they're like, no, nope, they're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. It's insane confidence. They could be losing ridiculously, and they're going to win. All the way to the ninth inning, there's this confidence. We'll come back. We'll win. It's insane. It's almost frustrating to watch. But the confidence is impressive, to say the least. And so for us as believers, we should have that kind of like all the way to the ninth inning, even if things look like we're behind or things don't seem to be going according to plan. Nope, nope, nope. We're going to win. We're going to get there. God's going to figure it out. He's going to make sense out of this. We will get all the way home. You guys have seen those people do those trust falls, yeah. right? Where they just stand there and like someone's going to catch you. I need a volunteer to catch me. Okay, you ready? I'm just going to fully, I'm going to fully trust you. Okay, you ready? No, I'm just kidding. No one's there. I'm, thank you. Gosh, someone. No, I'm just, I'm not going to make you a pancake today. Okay. So look, here's the deal. But you've all seen it on TV, or typically it's a joke where they all go, then they move, and it's like, splat. God won't drop you. He's never going to drop you. He's never going to get out of the way, and he's not so small that he can't handle it. Half of you guys, if I fell on you, you'd die. But the reality is, is God's got you, and it's very easy for him to do. This idea to have full confidence, 100% guaranteed, given over to, no doubt, ninth inning, we got this, he's going to get us home, is amazing. In Matthew chapter 27, it's pretty cool. It brings us to this point 
and Jesus is on the cross, and they begin to mock him, and they're making fun of him, and they're tormenting him, and they begin to talk, and these guys, it says, if he's the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross. Get yourself off, Jesus, if you're so strong. They're totally mocking and making fun of, but this is what they accused him of. He trusted, same word, Jesus had full confidence while on the cross. It's amazing. And if we just follow in Jesus' footsteps, we can have full confidence even when things aren't right. He says he had full confidence or he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. To fully trust. At the end of our life, would people, even in a mocking way, say, man, that guy trusted God so much. Now look at his life. Yeah, now look. If our life didn't end in a way that was maybe glorious or exciting, maybe we get in a car accident in a few years and it doesn't work out well for us, would the accusation be, man, that guy just trusted the Lord so much and look what happened, he got in a car accident? They don't understand that to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, in that moment, you can have full confidence. I'm home with Jesus. I'm fine. My sins are forgiven. This isn't bad. This is good. But in the end, would people accuse you of having absolute assurance, confidence, trust in God? So the reality is you're going to have full confidence in something. You and I are. It's just the way it rolls. A couple things and illustrations of bad confidence. If you read through the Old Testament, God has some accusations and delivers some serious punishment to the nations because they had confidence in the wrong thing. They trusted in the wrong thing. Okay, Isaiah chapter 47 If your Bible, I would underline he trusted in God, but we'll move on, all right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 47, verse 10. For you have trusted, he says, in your wickedness. He's bringing judgment. He's gonna bring uh, a whole lot of crazy things into this nation. He says, for you have trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, you have, have warped you. Your mind is messed up. And you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one else beside me. You have confidence in the wick. You think you can just get away with anything is what he's saying. That if you live your life in a way thinking, I can get away with anything I want. I'm sneaky. I'm mischievous. I can play the game. I can be nice at home and whoever I want to be at school or however that works. God says, no, these are the things. If your confidence is not in what Christ has done, then it's going to be in something. And for some people, it's in this idea that I can get away with whatever I want because no one else is there to tell me what to do. Another place in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 13, 25. So this is your lot. This is what you get. Your judgment is coming. The portion of your measures for me, says the Lord, because you have forgotten me and trusted in falsehood. You've given yourself over to lies, things that are not true. You've believed what the world has said or spun because, well, everyone else is believing it. Everyone else is doing it. Or, oh, well, they said. No, no, no. It's not about what they said. It's about what he said. Don't have too much confidence in the things that the world tells you or what people tell you. Have confidence, trust in what God tells you. There's another one, Ezekiel 16, 15. It says, but you trusted in your own beauty. It doesn't just mean appearance of being pretty or beautiful or handsome, but in your ability to persuade people, to be very eloquent and alluring in a variety of different ways. 
And maybe you love the influence you have and you have confidence. I can figure things out. I'm very smart. I'm very intelligent. I'm very persuasive. And I can, all, I can figure things out on my own. God says, no, you can't. You need Jesus. So confidence is something we're all very familiar with. But what our confidence in, we probably don't think about often enough. Luke chapter 18 says, he also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised, they ended up despising others. What do you mean? I'm a good person. I don't listen to that kind of music. I certainly don't dress like that girl, or I don't talk like that guy, or I don't see those movies. And all of a sudden, we begin to think we're something. We've got this. Jesus tells this whole story, this parable about two guys who came up to the church. Both guys going to church. One of them, a very religious person. The other one, a pretty dirty, rotten sinner. But the church-going guy, the one who is very, very good, he goes up and he starts praying. And he starts praying loud. And he says, God, thank you that I'm not like this loser. Imagine coming to prayer. What if we, what if we started off in prayer today and you could just pray and some guy actually has the boldness to pray out loud. And, he, and you're sitting next to him and he's like, Man, God, thank you I'm not like this guy right next to me because he's a big loser, man. I'm awesome. He's horrible. Could you imagine? (laughs) It was crazy. And then the scenes switch, and the guy who is legitimately a dirty, rotten sinner says, Lord, I need you. He knows he's a dirty, rotten sinner. And God says, I'll listen to your prayer. The prayer of this overconfident, cocky, self-righteous, trusting in themselves kind of a person I want nothing to do with. But he doesn't cuss or cheat or steal or do bad things. Yeah, but he thinks too much of himself. If you have too much confidence in yourself, I'm not saying you should walk around, I'm a loser. But if you think somehow you're going to figure your life out, you've got another thing coming. Psalm chapter 33, verse 21, says, For our heart shall rejoice in him. This is why we, why do we worship at church? You ever think through, like, why do we, is it just like how you kill like 20 to 30 minutes of a service? No. Is it because we like music? No. We rejoice in him because we have trust or have full confidence in his holy name. Jesus, you're amazing. God, you are awesome. Lord, you saved me from my sins while I was still dead in my trespasses. God, there's no one like you. You're amazing. Before you trusted in the Bible, though, remember Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 13 again. In him you also trusted after what had to happen first. Before you believe in God, something first has to happen. What, do you, what has to happen? Open book. It's in verse 13. Take a look. Yeah. You got to hear the word, right? You got to hear about Jesus before you can believe in Jesus. Well, that makes sense. No one's like, I believe in Jesus. Can someone tell me about him? Like, what? It doesn't happen that way. You hear about Jesus and then belief follows, which means someone was willing to speak about Jesus. Now, we believe in all kinds of interesting things. The Bible warns us that we're to believe in truth, not cunningly devised fables, not all these fairy tales or these uh, traditions or these made-up beliefs. Like, how many of you guys like watermelon? 
I love watermelon, right? Especially on a nice burning hot day. We tried to grow it. We did. We grew a watermelon this year, threw it in the fridge, pulled it out. It was nice and crunchy and crisp. But here's the deal. What happens if you eat a black watermelon seed? It starts growing in your stomach. You guys ever heard that? Yeah, we all, we've all heard, oh, if you, eat, you can't eat watermelon seeds because if you do, you'll grow a watermelon in your stomach. Like, but that's not true. Or, don't swallow your gum because it'll never come out. That's not true. Or don't walk under a ladder. What happens if you walk under a ladder? Seven years bad luck. What if you break a mirror? Seven years bad luck. And those are all silly, right? We're like, wait, I don't know about the ladder thing. No, that's true, right? No, it's not true. Sometimes I walk under ladders just to prove it's not true. No, just kidding. There's a reality for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name, not in silly fables and fairy tales, but in what's reality. People that believe in some odd things, and those are just silly examples, but they go down to, we turn into angels when we die, right? Like, no, we don't. We turn into us when we die. Like, you stay you, a better version of you, but it's you. Um, take a minute. Why are there so many religions in the world? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, there's a lot. Name some different religions for me. I need a volunteer for this one. Yep, yeah, yep. Mormonism, okay. What else? Buddhism, Buddhism and what? Hinduism. Buddhism and Hinduism, yep. What else? Islam, Islam. yep. Scientology. Muslims, Islam, yep. Jehovah Witness, yep. In the back. Judaism. Taoism. Confucianism. Confused. You guys are on it, man. What is it? Shintoism. Okay. Nowism. Taoism. Yep. Catholicism, yep. You guys are good at this. Um, there's the Baha'i faith, there's atheism, right? Yeah. What? Yeah, Greek mythology. That's a pro- that is a vert, not too many people are like, I'm a Greek mystic. Like, no, they're not still believing in Zeus and all that stuff. But that was a, you do? There you go. Um, Indians were very, Native American Indians were much like that. They believe there was a God for different things, right? A lot of cultures grew up that way. So here's the deal. I want to show you guys why there are so many different religions in the world. Are you ready? So on the top of these are different shapes, just so you guys know, like a dollar sign, a square, a circle. There's a happy face. It's a happy face. Um, So I need I need one volunteer, real quick. Oh bother! I should have made someone else do this. Uh, up front, come on up here, real quick. Hey, give him a hand. Okay, now I need you to eat this cup as fast as you. We're gonna time you. No, I'm just kidding. I got it. Look, why are there when we talk about having confidence? But there's so many religions in the world. Why are there so many? I'll tell you right now. Hopefully, I'll show you. Now, under one of these cups is a five-dollar bill. Okay. Do you believe me? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You guess, yeah? That's like partial confidence. Okay, um, no. You don't believe me. <laughs> no. Okay, I need another volunteer. Do you want to change your mind? Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. 
He repented from his unbelief. Now he has trust and confidence. So if there was only one religion in the world, Jesus just said, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no one else but me, and without me, you can't go to the Father, and so believe in me. And there was nothing else to believe in, then guess what? Of all these cups, I'm going to tell you, pick in that one. Pretend these don't exist anymore. That's the one truth. That's Jesus saying, hey, I'm the way. So these don't exist. You ready? Pick a cup. Are you sure? Why not the other one? There is no other one. Are you sure? Yeah. So is this hard for him? No. Well, let's see what's in there. Oh, five bucks. Have a seat. You can have five bucks. Unless you don't want it, then I'll go buy Starbucks or something. You're, you're sure? Because I'm willing to help you. I, you know, the Bible says to bear one of those burdens, and I don't, I don't have to like, figure that out. Okay, give him a hand real quick. Now. So let's just mix things up, make it interesting. Uh, Cody, can you pick me one more volunteer real quick here? Ah. So this one has a hundred dollars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So we got dollar signs, happy faces. Tell them what you see real loud. What do you see up here? Uh, dollar signs and happy faces. Dollar signs and happy faces. Okay. That's a triangle. Uh, it used to be. Now it's, it's a launch ramp for skateboards and motorcycles. Boy, there's a lot of cups up here. Good luck. <laughs> this is crazy. So let's just say these resemble all the different religions of the world. Fair enough? And so why on earth or how do we even get to this place of saying like, hey, yeah, you know what? Um, there's all these religions. Well, don't forget, Satan hates you. All right, that's true. Bible says it. He's prowling, seeking whom he may devour. And so he wants to distract you. All kinds of different things. There's Mormonism, Hinduism, Taoism. There's Baha'i, atheism. There's Christianity. There's, well, exactly. How do you know which one's which? Because the Bible here, it says, after you heard, then you believed. And so... I don't know. Is it just random chance? Do people just become Christians by random chance? Or does someone tell them what to do? Someone shares Jesus. Someone brings them to a Christian club or to church or to home and mom talks to them or it's a neighbor or it's a friend or there's a hundred different ways to get saved and to find out about the Lord. But hey, someone's sitting there saying, hey, you know what? I'm telling you right now, all the squares are not it. Okay? You sure? Okay. All the triangles are not it. Okay. All the happy faces are not it. Okay. You sure? Positive. All the squares, were they it? There's one thing in here. So walk around the back. No triangles. Pick up all the triangle cups for me real quick. Woo you guys ready? And go ahead and pick up all the circles real quick. So those aren't it. So it's not atheism, it's not Hinduism, and it's not Mormonism. Fair enough. Let's just say that the launch ramp triangles are Jehovah Witness. So that's not it. Pick that up. 
pick up all the triangles. There's not a whole lot of them, are there? One at the very end. I had you do that already. We missed one. Happy faces. It's deceitful. Life's about you. Make yourself happy. But they're not, it's not the happy faces. Now, wouldn't you think it's one of the money signs? I mean, come on, we're talking about money. Shouldn't it be one of the money signs? It's not. No. Working hard for your money. We should play that song. Working hard for the money. All right. You ready? What if I just come along and tell you it's this cup right here? You should just pick that up. What's in it? Five bucks! Oh my gosh! Was that hard? Uh, if I listen to you, no. If you listen to me, no? Say that again louder. Say, if I listen, say what you just said. If I listen to you, it's not hard. Oh, well, imagine that. If you listen, thank you. Can I keep it? You want to keep the five bucks? Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so look, give her a hand. Give her a hand. So, initially, if you had to pick one of the, like, 60 up there, it's like, yeah, right. Are you nuts? This is crazy. But if you just listen to what someone's earnestly saying, and at the end of the day, remember it's the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. We talked about this about a month ago. And he will lead you, if you listen to the Lord then he will lead you to the truth. You don't have to worry about what's this and what's that and how come. Satan has set up all of these false religions. He doesn't care which one you believe in as long as you don't believe in the single truth of Jesus Christ. As long as you don't have full confidence in God, then you can have full confidence in anything else you want, even in self. Just be happy. Live for yourself. Unfortunately, though, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says in order to find your life, you have to be willing to lose it or to listen to someone who's a little bit wiser and smarter. Ultimately, the Lord. In him, you, does that make sense, guys? Don't worry. Your friends that are believing in other religions, your job's to lead them, to lead them to truth. Right now, they're just believing in things like you can grow watermelons in your stomach, okay? Now, that's silly. I'm not making fun of or somehow downing. The Bible talks about traps and snares, and they, maybe they've grown up into or they've been persuaded, but your job is very simple. To one, listen to the truth. Two, believe in it, have full confidence. And then three, share it with other people. It's real simple. So it says this, in him you also trusted, we're in Ephesians chapter one, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Whose salvation? Well, it's our salvation. It's my salvation. It's your salvation. Matthew chapter 24, this is just a, a thought uh, I passed up, but it says, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive people. If possible, even the elect, meaning it's impossible, but if it were possible, then this would even happen, that you'd be messed up. See, I have told you beforehand. It says, the gospel of your salvation. Talks about ownership. Okay. I think it's interesting the way that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 2, verse 16. You can write these down, 16.25 and 2 Timothy 2.8. You know what he calls the gospel, the good news of Jesus? It's not the gospel. He calls it something interesting. He calls it my gospel. 
Do you know God so well and the message of the cross that you could say, this is my truth. I own this. It's part of me and I'm not giving it up. Because to have full confidence, full assurance, full belief in God is so, so, so important. You can have full confidence in your deceitfulness. You can have full confidence in your uh, ability to persuade. You can have full confidence in lies. You can give yourself over to a lot of things, but God says, why don't you just give yourself over to me? And so he's telling this church, it's awesome. He says, guys, you are doing amazing. You have believed. You've had full confidence in Jesus after you heard the word of truth, which means someone must have said the word of truth. And then he brings us to this point of owning it and ownership. And what is the gospel anyways? Well, here's the reality. Plain and simple. You want the gospel plain and simple? As plain and simple as it can be. At the end of the day, there is a kingdom that will come and take over everything. And the king himself will completely destroy all forms of evil and wickedness and sin. And those that are part of that kingdom of darkness will be cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. And the Lord will set up a new earth and a new heaven. And there's one way to become part of what he's doing. And that's through Jesus Christ. That when the conquering king returns to take over what's rightfully his, he will destroy everything in front of him unless their name is written in the book of life. How does that happen? It's when you put your full confidence, your belief, your faith in the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again from the dead. It's very simple. There's a coming time where your friends will meet face to face with Jesus. There's a time where you and I will meet face to face with Jesus. Belief follows the truth. Very simple. And here we go. This is the part we need to kind of just figure out, all right? He says something interesting. Look at verse 14. It says, the Holy Spirit sealed us. He's a spirit of promise. And then verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Everyone look at each other and say, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then tell them the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. All right. Now, what is a guarantee? Is a guarantee like a maybe? No. So you got saved. He says, you've believed with all confidence. And now he says, and now you are sealed. This is done, taken care of, forever decided. Cannot be taken until Jesus comes back or we go see him uh, through a, whatever. We get old and our heart stops break, pumping or it breaks, whatever. But it is a guarantee, a down payment. Now, most of you probably have never had to put a down payment on something before. But imagine this for a moment. You turn 16. And you go to the car dealership, and there's a sweet whatever you like. For me, there'd be this sweet truck. I'm like, ha, 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 I want that. And the guy's like, sweet, you can have it. And you're like, I forgot my wallet. And there's someone standing behind you. He's like, I got cash right here. I'll take the truck. You're like, no, I want it, though. And you reach in your hand. You're like, oh, you got, a, you got 100 bucks in your pocket somehow. Like, All right. Tell you what. I'm going to leave this 100 bucks with you, and then I'm going to go back and get my wallet, and I'll come back and buy the truck. That's putting a down payment. That's saying, look it, this is evidence and proof that I'm going to come back and take it home with me. Don't let anyone else have it. Because if you're just like, I'll give you a handshake, don't let that guy buy it. It's like, yeah, right. And so for us, an an easier one, 
don't know if you guys like bowling and stuff. I love bowling. I never, ever, ever, ever get to do it. Oh, something freaky happened. That's okay. We'll just let it go for now. It's okay, Joel. We can let it go. We're almost, we're wrapping it up. But you guys like bowling? Yeah. Have you guys have never been bowling before? Okay, we got, you got to go bowling. Here's how it works. Bowling. Here we go. Down payment. Do you guys know that you give a down payment every time you go bowling? Well, they don't let you use your shoes, right? You, yeah, exactly. They let you borrow their super stylish bowling shoes. They're typically multicolored and slippery and cool. But in order to get the bowling shoes, what do you have to give them? One of yours. You give them one of your shoes, and then they say, okay, you can take these, but when you're done, if you want your shoe back, you got to bring back my shoes. So it's a down payment. It's a guarantee that you're coming back, and you're not going to rip them off. In the same way, God says the Holy Spirit is upon your life. He has sealed you. It's done. It's over. It's finished. And I'm going to get you all the way home. And it's not just, now God could have said, I'm raising my right hand, and I promise to come get you one day. And that could have been enough. He's not a liar. He's not like us at all. He's never uh, fibbed. He's never told a white lie. He's never twisted the truth or manipulated anybody. But instead of just saying like, hey, I promise to be back for you, he says, I am going to invest all of who I am, my Holy Spirit, into your life. And as that guarantee, when I come back, I will pick you up and take you home with me. It's awesome. And that sealing idea, have you guys ever seen an envelope that's got like uh, a signature across the the part that you lick and stick down, yeah? Why do they do that? It's a modern day way, way of sealing it. Back then, my wife and I did this when we were first gonna get, we were gonna get married and you just send out all the invitations. We thought we'd save money by making our own invitations, uh, which in fact, you probably lose a lot of money doing that, but that's okay, it was fun. And we thought we'd do this cool idea where you get the wax and you melt it and you drip it down on top of the envelope where it seals. And then you take this cool stamp and while it's still hot, you press it into the wax and you pull it up. It's like, whoa, cool. It's our last name or it's a flower or it's a whatever you want. Back then, that was the way that they sealed the scrolls that had top secret information. And if you received that scroll from the messenger and that seal was broken, it means that someone had tampered with it and opened it and they were to be put to death. What? This seal was a seal that meant do not touch or tamper with at all. It was locked down. The signing of an envelope, if you guys see it across the seal, is to prove I sealed this. No one else sealed this. So I seal it and I sign it, and no one else is to open it except for the person's name on it. God says, I've put the Holy Spirit in your life as a guarantee, and you are sealed. No one's taking you from me. No one, no one, no one is taking you from me. What if I mess up? What if I get dumb for part of life? Look it, you'll, pay, you'll suffer the consequences, but you won't lose your salvation. First Peter, look at, check out First Peter. Chapter one, verse four. To an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for heaven, or sorry, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. I don't know. You guys like to arm wrestle? Yeah? In junior high, man, we had this little arm wrestling ring going on behind the lockers all the time. We're never betting anything. They just didn't like us doing it. I don't know why. But we'd always arm wrestle. I was just every day, man. It was ridiculous. I look back, and none of us were actually that strong, so I don't know why it was so cool, but it was what it was. But you don't go arm wrestle your dad. You're like, Dad, go. Boom. Oh! Like, it's like, exactly. 
You ever tried to fight your dad? Boys, you ever tried to fight your dad? He like lets you win for a little bit and then just like, it's over. Guys, when the Bible says that you are kept by the power of God, the one who speaks into existence the universe and all creation, the one that has the power to judge the living and the dead, says his eyes are like flames of fire that see into the darkest parts of our lives, that he has all power and authority on heaven and on earth. And he says that that God, the most powerful being in all the universe, in all of eternity, is there keeping you, guarding you, bringing you home. You'll get there. Ephesians chapter 2, we went over it on Wednesday. Remember it says, you're not saved by works. You can't get there. And look, if you can't work your way into heaven, you can't lose it by bad works either. If you're not saved by works, you won't be lost by works. It is by faith that you are saved. Full confidence in Christ. Simple enough? John chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus said, look, I've lost none that you've given to me. None of them. So we wrap this up here for a moment. I just want you guys to think. God promises those who are his will be with him one day. And that the Holy Spirit's been given as a guarantee, you're sealed, it's promised, it's done, it's already been decided, you belong to him. He's not going to give up on you. Verse 14 ended, to the praise of his glory. You believed and had confidence in him after you heard the word. And then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee, that down payment. And you're being kept by the power of God until that redemption takes place. And it says, to the praise of his glory. Who on earth would praise a God who can't even save and keep saved his own people? That's not a praiseworthy kind of a God. Why would you praise and worship a God who gets there and is like, oh, I lost someone? <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. There's not going to be anyone missing that should have made it to heaven, but God lost along the way. You'll make it. Your job is just to stay in sync with Jesus, to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you, to draw near to him through his word, through fellowship with other believers. Because if you have no Christian friends, I encourage you to find some. I'm not saying bail on all your others. I'm just saying, look, you need to find some serious, solid, Bible-believing friends. It only takes a couple to keep you going, but you've got to have them. And know this, don't ever doubt, if you belong to the Lord, you belong to him. He won't lose you along the way. Okay, we're going to pray. We're going to wrap up the day here for a minute, but I just want you to think through. And as we worship, we're worshiping a God who will never lose you. We're worshiping a God who will never give up on you and who guarantees to get you all the way home. Right? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. And we just confess this morning, we're not always faithful or good. We're not always just or right. But you are. And Lord, as we read through this and just to the end, to the praise of your glory, God, thank you that 
when we lay our heads down at night to rest, we can wonder about a lot of things. But we'll never have to doubt or question, be concerned or have anxiety, where am I going to end up? But that our confidence is in you, that you'll get us home one day. In Jesus' name, amen.